0: We actually need more thought leaders. We need to stop to we need to stop saying how cool is your life. We need to stop talking about the economic impact of these anomalies, the positive and the negative. We need to start we need to start managing communities and looking for a negative impact and how we can accommodate that and give back in a way that makes it worth it for the local communities, local countries, etc. We need to study this. What's the economic impact in five years of a location that gets a lot of nomads? Let's look into the places, let's look at Pansco, let's look at Shango, you know nobody's doing this and we need 10 leaders to push this agenda so everybody at more universities go and do this and more governments look at this on the serious eyes and not just these youtube bros that come here we need more education only if we have enough leaders we can do this
1: Hey, what's up, you guys? My name is Mikko Karshavski, and welcome to another episode of That Remote Life Podcast, where we hear from remote work experts, digital nomads, and location-independent entrepreneurs, so you can learn to quit the cubicle and live life on your terms. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by a favorite guest here on TRL, Gonzalo Hall. Gonzalo has just returned from Pipa, Brazil, where he's in the process of launching the first digital nomad village in Brazil. During this episode, we discussed what makes Brazil such an attractive destination for digital nomads, what most people get wrong about traveling in Brazil, and Gonzalo also gave us a never-before-heard behind-the-scenes look at the business of launching nomad villages and what he's doing to make each village self-sustainable. But two quick things before we jump into the interview. Number one, make sure you subscribe to my newsletter, Remote Insider, where every Monday I share the most important developments in the areas of remote work, online business, tech, and the digital nomad lifestyle. It has been called mandatory reading by other subscribers, and if you enjoy this podcast, I guarantee you'll also love being a Remote Insider subscriber. You can subscribe to that at thatremotelife.com forward slash remoteinsider All. One word. And number two, I'd like to invite you to join our TRL Listener Slack channel, which you can find at thatremotelife.com forward slash Slack. In the Slack channel, you'll be able to have direct contact with me, meet other listeners of this show passionate about the future of work, the digital nomad lifestyle, and entrepreneurship. And we'll be putting together events and Q&As with some of our biggest podcast guests to dive in even deeper. Access to the Slack channel is completely free. And again, that link is thatremotelife.com forward slash Slack. Finally, if you haven't left a review of the show already, please consider leaving one wherever you listen to podcasts. I would really, really appreciate that. Also, uh, you can leave a review by going to ratethispodcast.com forward slash TRL. It only takes a minute if you go through that link, uh, and I would really appreciate if you'd leave a review. But all right, you guys, without further ado, let's dive into this awesome conversation with Gonzalo Hall. All right, Gonzalo, welcome back to the show, man uh how you doing we were just thank talking so about much. B- before we hit record that i don't know if you're the m- the person who's been on the podcast the most and if you're not you're certainly up there so um i'm, I'm glad you're not getting sick of us
0: man i'm doing my best so the, my idea is i'll do as many things as possible so Mitko contact me to come back to the podcast <laughs> that's my my life goal so i'm working really hard man so thank you so much for inviting me again to be in the podcast yeah. i'm very happy
1: <laughs> of course, man. Yeah. Keep keep up the work. I'll keep having you on uh, for sure, man. Well, I was super excited to. So I wanted to have you on because I'm very curious about some of the work that you've been doing in Brazil. And um, this is kind of my excuse to get on the phone with you and, and talk about Brazil and let people listen in on this and, and hear what you've been doing there. So you've been working with the Brazilian government to develop essentially what you did in Madeira, um, kind of replicate that model in Brazil in a town called Pipa. Um, so let's kind of just jump in there and we'll kind of see where the conversation goes. But why did you think that that was a project that was something to invest in? Like why Brazil? Why people? Like why should that area be something that digital nomads slash remote workers should be in, like looking into?
0: Oh man. So Brazil is an old dream of mine. Brazil is like very close to Portugal in terms of, not culture, but we are like like brothers, you know? And it was always my dream since I'm a kid to go to Brazil. I mean, always. And my mother always told me, "Don't go, don't go to Brazil because if you go, you'll never come back." Um, it's yeah, it's like my my soulmate dangerous country. Dangerous
1: or because it's so awesome?
0: No, because it's so awesome. Oh, okay. Man, Capirinha, <laughs> music, beach volleyball. It's like if I could put everything I love in a country, that would be Brazil. Uh, so it would be very dangerous, and I'll probably never come back to Europe if I knew if I went to Brazil like when I was 18 or 19. I'll probably still be. They're completely lost. And once we did mudara and once we tried Cape Verde and it's still going, which is really cool, when I think about the big project, and when I think about a country that people don't actually understand, uh, because they think Brazil is real or Brazil is São Paulo, which is it's not true. It's like saying US is New York, it's very different, it's a city. And people don't actually understand Brazil. So when I think about potential of the other countries in the world right now, Brazil is on the top of my brain for potential versus where they are right now. They have very little nomads. Brazil has less tourists than Eiffel Tower per year, which is completely insane. It's insane. Sense, yeah. It makes sense, though. But it's insane. Like, that country is so beautiful. Everybody knows Brazil is beautiful. I think that's okay. But people think that Brazil is dangerous, which is true for Rio, for São Paulo. I was in Rio. Yeah, I wouldn't stay in Rio for one month for sure. I was in Pipa, and I was going out, coming back home at 4 4 a.m. with my phone in my hand, super chilled, it's Brazil. Brazil is like a continent. It's big as hell. So when I think about this potential and what we could do there, knowing that it's a big risk, it's a new continent, it's a new culture, the country is massive. I really wanted to do something in Brazil. I think it's the country in the world that is right now more interesting uh, for potential. I would put it even in front of Sri Lanka right now, which I think it's another country with massive potential. Uh, So I wanted to do Brazil. It took me like two years to find where I wanted to do in Brazil. And I I spoke with a lot of people. We have a lot of Brazilians here in Portugal. And... I had like a list of top 10 places that then I went there to see them and to actually understand them and see what would be the first. But actually, the goal is not to do one. The goal is to do at least 10 in the next five years. So Pipa is the first one because Pippa is special. Literally, it's like a small town, only one road to go out. It's one hour from Natal Airport in the Northeast. The weather in the winter is 28 degrees. The weather in the summer is 32 degrees. So it's very stable all around the year. There is surf everywhere but the waves are big in like two of the beaches and then it's like there is a the dolphins bay where dolphins jump in front of you like you don't even have to get a boat there is the, it's the best place in south america to for doing long it's small but at the same time it has like nine thousand beds it's very weird so it's very focused in tourism it has good infrastructure it has fiber and it just hit all the box i went there for a month uh earlier in september it's like damn this place is better than so many places i've been like in asia and everything just people are scared of brazil so yeah people for me is like honestly and I, i've been to bali i've been to Thailand, and i've been all over europe i've been to vietnam people is right now for me in terms of potential the best place for these tournaments in the world and i don't say that lightly i love bali i love Madara. The potential is just massive in terms of what they can be compared with what they are. They have, people has like mass tourism for two months a year, but the weather is good for twelve months a year, so we can Mm -hmm. get incredible prices from March to December, and all this is just insane. So yeah, Brazil is my big bet. It's like a bold bet, but we are trying to develop it, and we have time, so we are not in a hurry.
1: So I'm looking at the map right now of where Pipa is. Tell me if this is the right Pipa. It's between like Natal and Recife on the on. It's kind of like if you think about Brazil for people who are listening to this, how Brazil kind of juts out on the east, right? It's essentially like on that horde. It's essentially the easternmost part of Brazil, right? So it's like yeah. the closest to Africa, kind of. If you wanna, yeah. Would that be six hours and a half?
0: Yeah, yeah, six hours and a half from Lisbon by flight. So it's quite close actually. How many? Six hours and a half.
1: Really? That's really surprising.
0: When I went there, it was super fast. Maybe the wind was good. They say seven hours officially, but we did six and a half. Maybe the wind was good on that day.
1: That's crazy. Huh.
0: It's very close. And Cape Ver- and even Cape Verde is on the way. So actually you fly through uh Canary Islands, Cape Verde, and then Brazil. It's super fun. So I'm huh. I'm just flying, you know? I'm just yeah, following yeah. The, the airplanes.
1: Nice. Yeah. I think that entire, you know, like it's, it's kind of interesting when you talk about, like, if you think about like the world and how the remote work slash digital number, I need to stop saying slash. It's just all the same thing are moving through the world. Right. And it's sort of like Eastern Europe has been done. Southeast Asia has been done. And now like I've become really interested in like, obviously I've spent quite a bit of time in Mexico over the last two years, but I'm becoming more and more interested about, south america and more of latin america and then also africa to me as a continent i think is so interesting and uh foreshadowing a bit here in the next couple episodes but uh we're having some people want to come on and talk about actually africa as a continent for digital nomads and like what are like the interesting spots and like what do we need to know about like the you know because to me it's i don't really know that much about it which is terrible but yeah i'm very excited about it what Why would like? Why is Brazil so exciting to you as opposed to other Latin American countries? Because obviously, Latin America has some. You know, like let's skip Mexico because Mexico, we 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 get that right. But you have other countries. You know, like you have Costa Rica, Panama, Colombia, Argentina. That's very popular, right? Why, um, why Brazil? Like, why do you? Why are you calling that bet?
0: I think. Brazil, especially in so many ways, like the culture, the music, samba, pagoda, is like so rich. The whole Brazilian culture is so rich. The country is just so big, so diverse, like the northeast where we are, it's very hot, very incredible for kitesurf, but the south is the opposite. The south has a weather like Europe. So it's like a very strong culture, a massive country with which is proud of their culture, all the sports you can do. Like I think we need to connect more our community with sports and more things to do with, because I really think that yes, we work a lot but we need some hooks like, I don't know, surf, guide surf, beach volleyball. I think we need to go into deep learning all this and for me, Brazil was always a special place because I grew up around Brazilians in Lisbon. I know their culture quite well. I was just so excited to go there and it, even though, even with all these expectations, it lived it lifted it up and actually it surpassed all my expectations, even though I had really high expectations. So, I think it's like culture, the food is incredible. They are really adjusting now to the whole vegan and uh, vegetarian uh, ideas. So, I was in Pipa and I was very surprised where they are I going. I disagree actually.
1: strongly with that entire movement as an Eastern Europeaner. That is. Uh... <laughs>
0: I have my thoughts. I would not expose. No, everybody. Everybody knows what I think. I think. I think everybody is now aware. But the truth is, we need to prepare for the move for that. We're talking about like twenty-five percent of vegans and vegetarians. So every time we prepare this nation, we have to take that into consideration. Mm -hmm. And for example, Cape Verde is actually quite hard, and I found Brazil because of all the fruits, all the vegetables. Brazil exports food to all the countries. They are one of the biggest food producers in the world. It's quite insane. So basically, Brazil is a special place, man. I don't know. It's the whole music, the whole vibe you go around people everybody without t-shirts beach shirts and flip flops they work like that then they get the guitar they start playing the guitar and sing all this music that sounds incredible and then you go for sunset and then they serve. I don't know it's like everything I love is in that country I, I don't understand it but I like it and it can be safe, which for me was the most surprising when I was just walking around the street at night. I was like, what, uh, what am I doing? Is this even a ride? Yeah. But then everybody's doing the same. You see a woman alone and everything. So it's like, okay, cool. I understand well, this.
1: Safety, safety is relative, right? Like so many people say this country is unsafe or that country is unsafe. Yeah. And I'm like, is it the whole country? Like the whole country is unsafe, right? Like the United States is, It'd be saying it'd be like saying, it bothers me when, like, for example, you go to the, like the U.S. Uh, like to uh, what is like their travel advisory, and there's like entire parts of like Mexico that are like red, right, and like don't go here. And I'm like that would be like saying don't travel to Michigan because downtown Detroit is dangerous, right? Like the Yucatan, some parts of the Yucatan, like Cancun or like whatever or Cancun, Quintana Roo. Uh, but like you know what I mean. Like there's some parts of that are like very dangerous, and then you have Merida, which is like the second safest city in North America. So you need to be a bit more, um, you need to be a bit more selective or uh, you need to have like a smaller gaze of like, okay, this part is unsafe or over here it's unsafe, but here it's actually fine. And with a huge country like Brazil, there's yes. going to be parts that are safe and parts that are unsafe, right?
0: Yeah, just next to people. Like Natal is not 100% safe at all. Natal would be a little bit dangerous. I would not walk around. I would not walk at Natal at night, for example, And I do it in People. But on the side in the south, you see a city called João Pessoa, And I was there. and You can walk at night or on the beach. People are playing beach tennis, beach volleyball. And I felt safe there. So it really depends even from little town to little town. So little towns are safe because they have some people that make them safe. other towns. Are not, and it's quite dangerous because there is some fight between drug dealers or something. So it's literally town to town. And fortunately, the places I've been, the next three communities, we know more or less where they are, they are all safe places because if we are selling Brazil, we need to go safety first because of all the fame that Brazil has, right? All the wrong Mm -hmm. things you hear about Brazil that if you go to dissect are just real and Sao Paulo. If you go to dissect all the news about violence are basically. Sao Paulo, and uh, and Rio de Janeiro. Yes, there are others, like I don't think Recife is safe at all. But then if you go half an hour south of Recife, you have super safe towns. So, I don't know. Yeah, I agree with you. I think we need to go case by case. It's not, is Brazil safe? That's the wrong question. It's like, is PIPA safe? And Fortunately, people safe. The same for Mexico. Like, I was in Playa, I felt super safe. I was in Tulum, I felt super safe. I know those are probably the worst places to be, but that's where I went. Uh, but Yeah, I felt safe there, which is cool. So, yeah, we need to ask more questions instead of just believing what the media tell us about a huge country with 200 million people like Brazil.
1: So let's talk about this whole small town versus big city conversation. This is something we've talked about online, like on LinkedIn. I had a post about this and, and how big cities are becoming... Like, you know, this whole geo-arbitrage thing that nomads got used to is kind of going away if you're looking at big cities. It's getting a bit more homogenous in that way in terms of, like, the prices because everyone, like, knows the cat's out of the bag, right? Um, The thing that I'm interested in, though, that I think is an interesting conversation here is, like, for me, I still like big cities because of the amenities that they bring, right? They, they, They come with, like, a lot of options in terms of, like, you know, everything from coffee shops to like, you can get like more diverse groceries. You have more things to do. Like there's a lot of these, like there's like an activity and amenities infrastructure that exists in large cities that do not in small towns. I would be all for small towns if they could deliver this. So my question is, how do we actually, and I think it's an interesting topic is like, how can we make some sort of infrastructure for these towns that actually serve that? Right. Like if you're making like a nomad village in Pipa, is there something like, have you ever thought about this? Like where like, Hey, how can we kind of like crowdsource some sort of like an infrastructure of people who are like, Hey, because this little pocket has this community and this interest, like, can we set up these amenities that are needed for it? Um, I don't know if that's mm, something think, that you've ever thought about before.
0: Oh, yeah. I know I have massive arguments about this. It's because I just did a tour in Portugal for around 10 small towns in Portugal. So we now launched this Nomad Association and we did this roadshow one day in each place. And every day we did a workshop for the local population, the local businesses and local governments. And inside my presentation, I had that Nomad's Love specialty coffee. Which we do. Not many people pay three euros in Portugal for a coffee. We kind of do. And I love flat white. I'm guilty here. And they all are. And the answer that the locals gave me was actually high opening. Was if they come to Portugal, to this little town, should they have avocado toast and a flat white? Or should they go with the local culture? And it's because we don't want to change our local culture. We don't want this little town in Portugal to look like another little town in the West that looks like another little town in Mexico. So we want to have our own culture. Yes, we will adjust to vegetarianism and to veganism. That's a whole movement that we will adjust with our own ingredients. But we don't grow avocados in Portugal. Why would we have avocado toast for your public when they can just have a jelly toast or a jam toast or whatever? And I was like, damn. They are right. And I had to think a lot about this because one of the things I say a lot is no one's love, those and flat whites. I do. I'm guilty here again. Do I need to have it everywhere I go? Or can I just fluctuate between places that are authentic and cities where I have everything? So imagine if instead of trying to have everything everywhere, we can go to a place where things are super local. And you just eat toast with whatever there are there, fried tomatoes and uh, prosciutto. That would be cool though. That's Spain. Instead of avocado. But then you go to Madrid or you go to go to Lisbon, and you have everything you want. You, do we actually need to have an avocado toast everywhere we go? And I love my avocado toast, but the answer is no. Uh, so <laughs> the right answer is when we do need to make a lot of adjustments in local communities, like working spaces, preparing cafes, vegetarianism, veganism, etc. We don't need to have specialty coffee. And this hurts my soul, but we don't need to have specialty coffee everywhere. In Madeira, we have it in three places, in Funchal and then in a the small town on the west of Madeira. And that's okay. When we really want a flat white, we'll go there. Uh, but that's it. So we don't have it in Porto do Sol, for example. But when we want it, if you really want it, you are... 20 minutes from Fuchal, so that should be okay. So I think in terms of food, I think we are spoiled. (laughs) (laughs) I speak against myself, honestly. So yeah, this tour was an eye-opening for that. So I think we need to respect more the local culture. And actually, food is a big part of local culture in Brazil, in Portugal, and everywhere we go, honestly, right? So I do think we need to actually accommodate more the local culture once we go and make the food experience more local everywhere we go. In terms of amenities... I agree with you. Like in Europe, we are spoiled. In Madeira, you can order from Amazon. You can get pretty much anything cheap to Madeira, which is quite cool. In Brazil as well, Brazil is massive. Brazil has like e commerce for me. It's one of the best in the world. Uh, no joke. Like you can do everything with your phone. You can pay everything everywhere. It's just at a different level from everything I saw in Europe. So, yeah, it really plays from place to place. But I really think we need to be more careful, more mindful when you go to these local small town communities because. That's not what they meant to be, you know. They are meant to be more. When you go there, you want the real experience. You don't want uh, the same thing you find in the city. So maybe yeah. we as nomads can just travel between big cities with everything, and then at smaller towns where we have less things. I do that. I, although I travel like one week for a city and three months for a town.
1: Well, so I guess what I was trying to say, and I, and I totally agree with that. And I actually don't like. As a Bulgarian, for example, and like when people come in, like restaurants are serving avocado toast in Bulgaria, I'm like, where'd that avocado come from? Because it's not from here, right? (laughs) So there's like Bulgarian options that I think are just as good, and I like them just as much as the other. And I totally support that. Like, hey, like try out the like local alternative, right, for whatever that would be. And I totally support that. But for example, to stick with Bulgaria, just because that's like a part of the world that I know, the 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 thing that i struggle with and maybe this is just me and my personality as like an extrovert it's like i need things to do listen like i like to work but then like i need things to go do and like whatever and like hang out and whatnot and a lot of people love Bonsko. i can't get behind Bonsko, even though i get it but for me it's like there's two restaurants you know what i mean and like yeah. there's a there's like one bar there's like uh there's more coffee shops popping up now because they're starting to catch on. There's like a new population there, but that's my thing is I'm all almost wondering if like when you're setting up these like towns and like whatever, is there like almost like a, Hey, like let's make some of these things like, like let's like bring them up. So these small towns can kind of support that. Like I want to go do things right. Like do you do pop up restaurants or you know what I mean? These sort of experiences, not so much like everyone should serve avocado toast because that's what people like to eat, which I think is like, you know,
0: and again, I really like it, but well, that's, that's not good <laughs> that way. I think, like, we, when we build a destination, we build a social infrastructure as well. And what I mean by social infrastructure is that we built in things to do. So, like, now in Potosol, you have five, seven events per day. Uh, in the home of that, I would say, you have at least 10 events per day every single day. And we are 20 minutes from Fushal, 40 minutes from Mashiko, which is a third community. So you always have things to do. You always have different things to try. And you can move around. So that is quite a small place. But... In towns we build that same infrastructure, even if you have little restaurants, like Pipa is, is an exception. There are way too many restaurants in Pipa, but like something Miguel do Custoso, which is another town I visited, they have I don't know, twenty-five restaurants maybe. Yeah, probably get tired. It's mostly Brazilian food. Yeah. So we try to not in terms of food, but we try to build an interesting infrastructure in terms of social. So we know what what you do, there is always things to do. We make sure you never get bored in your life. Mm. And we did this so well or so bad, I don't know, that some people in Ponta do Sol complain they have too much to do because they they have FOMO because there are so many things happening. So... Also, this is a kind of one of the challenges of remote work would be people work from home and this is sometimes lonely. So we always put in the co-working space. We have workshops, we have events. We have community lunches every single week. We have sunset parties. We do like, we literally are like event planners in every single community for every single week. So it's not so much that you only have three restaurants But you can do parties, you can do vegan days. God knows. I'm talking about too many, too many times about veganism. I think it's coming into my head. I had too many discussions this week about this. (laughs) Uh, But you can do it. You can build the whole social infrastructure anywhere. So like now we visited towns with four or five restaurants that have not much to do there. And even Peniche, Peniche is like this surf town in Portugal that if you don't surf, it's like incredible, incredible people there. But if you don't surf, it's like, I don't know mm-hmm. i guarantee you if Venetia integrates our next project in portugal which probably will we will create such a social infrastructure because people are there places are there just nobody's organizing the social parts of a life and not just for nomads but nomads expats and locals they need this this is how a place becomes attractive to someone it's not is this place beautiful it's like who will i meet what will I do with these people? This is exactly what we sell in Pointe do soul So we do need everywhere we go and every, every community open. The big focus is to create a social infrastructure for people. Mm-hmm. Make sure that we have events every single day, that you'll never get bored, and that you will have FOMO every single day. And that's a big part of the project. That's the most important part of the project.
1: How do... Because you now have, like, you know, you started in Madeira, and now you have all these, like, other uh, communities that you're working with, but how does that, uh, this might be a bit of a nerdy question and like, we're going to turn off half the listeners, but how does that continue to function in terms of like, like, what does the organization look like of these communities that you're running slash supporting, but you're not there, you know, they're kind of like self- the, you know sufficient how does that work just like on the on the back end of the way that you work with with everything that you're doing
0: that's actually a very good question because it was a problem i had to solve uh so basically we have community managers so all the community managers usually come to my data first and we offer them accommodation and they manage the community for three months that's the minimum we accept and after that if they want to continue we spread them out so actually julia for example which is our was our community Manager in for like four months. Now she's in Cape Verde with our people, organizing the whole Cape Verde in exchange for accommodation, and she can still work. Like she works, I know for as a community manager, basically she organizes events for everyone, right? Uh, so basically, she has her own work. She has an agency, social media agency, and then she organizes the community, and we pay her the accommodation. Uh, so that's what we do pretty much everywhere we go. We make sure we always have a community manager. And usually we make sure that she goes first to Madera so she understands, you know, like first you have to go to Rome and then you can spread your wings out and uh, replicate from everywhere. So that's how we structure things. And we are growing way too fast So we'll actually organize with my favorite community manager in the world, Uh, a workshop for community managers so we have more people inside because next year we are organizing deep learning retreats, we are organizing pop-up communities, we have more communities coming, so I need more community managers so more people will actually leave for free to have fun Mm. that's a way of putting it (laughs)
1: And how does the – I'm curious about, like, the business side of it. Like, how does that work? Like, are the governments essentially paying you, like, a one-time fee? Because here's the reason I'm asking this. I think there's an opportunity for there to be multiple Gonzalos. Like, I think you're doing an amazing work, but I think that there's, like, an opportunity for there to be, like, two, three, four, five more that do kind of, like, what you're doing in some shape or form, right? Right. Mm -hmm. how so how does the business of that work like are these governments paying you like a flat fee and you come in and you do it and then you leave and that's it like i'm just kind of curious about the i don't know if you can share that or if you want to share that but i'm curious about how that works
0: we are we are still figuring it out actually so every single place has a single unique business model in Madara, i'm a paid consultant the project is from the government and i'm a paid consultant we created it it was my idea but I am a consultant. The whole project belongs to the government of Madeira. In Cape Verde, uh, I work with the government. I was a private consultant, but now, uh, like they had several issues, internal issues in terms of financial financial issues. So I'm not being paid by them anymore. So actually, I'm trying this all inclusive kind of business model where I'm structuring everything for people. So you and you can come to Cape Verde for 850 euros with co working a, a private studio. A community manager and part of this money is to pay the community manager part of the money is for us to organize this whole thing and in brazil uh i'm trying to build everything as a business so we do work with the government we do work with the state but there are elections actually we're in election period which is completely insane brazil is like the u.s very extremist uh, for both sides right now lots of discussions and so what we are doing is we are working with the government, with the state, and with the city, which actually are from three different parties, which is completely insane, but they don't have <laughs> money to pay. It, no, it's it's just it's just the whole world, but they don't have the money to pay right now uh, because uh, all the funds get blocked to during the elections period but I really want to do it now because I'm going to be a dad soon and I have things to do and I have to be in Madeira for in February for a conference so my agenda is crazy so I'm doing it as an investment from Nomadex uh, but I know that next I'll get things back so for example some places are saying they have spaces uh, for example governments are very good to build but they are very, very bad to manage so they sometimes they offer the spaces instead of money and we can monetize the spaces there is no single business model you have to go and adjust and Brazil is literally our first investment as Nomadex because I, was, I I believe it's so much that we are putting like 15k behind it uh, in expenses to make sure that that thing will work and we don't yet have yet a way of making money. 15 or 15? We have 15, 15. It's quite cheap as an investment uh, cheap. It depends on yeah. where you are, right? Uh, but basically we are structuring the whole thing right now and launching and creating partnerships. And if I want, I can monetize it I, because we own I own that project. So I can just say 10% to everyone, 10% for co-working, 10% for accommodation. Everything will be in my website. I can just monetize it like that. And I built the whole structure like we did for other countries. So there are several ways you can do uh, we didn't figure out a single solution to everything. Every single country. So we literally are right now in three countries testing three different business models.
1: Yeah, it's. I mean, there's something there, right? There is something yeah, yeah. there as like a model, and I and I think you might be like like you might have to try a whole bunch of different things until you figure out the model that maybe works, or maybe there's like a few depending on the situation. But I do think it's yeah. interesting because. There's so many small towns that I think are thinking about this or at least aware or starting to become aware of it that you almost need some people to kind of help facilitate that oh, yeah. evolution. Do you know what I mean?
0: But that's why we are educating community managers and we are sending them to Madara to spread them up. Basically, we are educating these all these people so we can with our ideas with our beliefs of giving back to local communities of connecting people of bringing the locals to the communities we really believe in this and i strongly believe we have the right thing in our hands but we need more people to actually make it work in all of these towns we are starting to work especially now with the NA portugal so the education is part of what we need to do to spread our wings and the second one like you know why I don't have competition? Because there is not much money in it. That's it. So I can only do this because I'm passionate about it. Uh, I can out earn any, any single person because I'm not just doing it for the money. I have enough money. I pay my bills. I'm having a baby. I can buy some diapers. That's cool. I'm not in it for the money. I can charge. I can get a cool living like we have in Madara and charge one-third of the price of my competitors because I'm not in it for the money. I'm in it to provide a solution for the people. Yes, it is profitable. I get like 800 to 1,000 euros per month from the co-living, which is quite cool, not enough for the money, for the work it gets from it. But still, it's some money, right? But I could charge 800, 900, 1,000. I charge five fifty, five hundred and seventy instead of charging 900, for example. This is the cheapest co-living I know by far. And it's not because I cannot charge more. I can It's in the city center. It's three minutes from the beach. It's one minute from the co-working space. It's because there is a mission behind it. That's why it's very hard to compete with what we do. There is a mission behind it. People that try to do this for the money only, they quit after six months because they understand how hard it is to monetize, how hard it is to make money, how patient you have to be. Not everybody has one year to go to all the single owners in PIPA and educate them and do workshops and travel there and pay everything for yourself so that in one year you can have 10% or 15% of whatever you can bring them. This is a very bad business if you just think business-wise. For me, it's an investment because after PIPA, I can do the whole Brazil and then we can have some fun because 10% of the whole Brazil, it's a shit lot of money. And this is the difference. But still, I'm not in it only for the money. So I can do things that normal people would not do for for, for what we do.
1: So when you say like 10%, 15%, so do you have some sort of like a revenue stream from the businesses in Madeira that are participating in something? Like no? No. Okay.
0: Madera is, uh, the business model for Madera is pure consulting So I built everything for the government. I help with everything and everything is free and direct. All the discounts we get, we get a lot, are straight to the nomads. We, me and government doesn't get a single thing of it. It's just public investment for returns, of course.
1: Mm, interesting. Yeah, I'm just kind of thinking about, man, because like, it would be so cool if like we could do this to like multiple, com- like a lot of communities, right? And kind of like crowdsource it in some way or i just think it's such a and i definitely think that there's the future is in those small towns um especially with like i mean you know we had um you know we've had conversations before on this podcast about like decentralized cities right um john who was on the podcast before and we talked about this like what is that thing like that's such so interesting and so cool and i and i and it's, uh, it's a fascinating new way of thinking about, like, organizing cities. um, And and I definitely think there's going kind to of overlap with that of, like, I don't know, man. I'm just excited about the way we're going to live in the future. And I have no <laughs> idea what that's going to look like. But there's something new is going to happen. And I think it's very cool and it's very interesting.
0: I think we need mark community leaders. That's it. So I don't think we were educated to be leaders at all. Uh, so we usually step back. But one of the books that really changed everything for me was reading tribes from South Garden. And what he pushes that we all live in tribes. We all belong to different tribes. You should try and go and lead your tribe. If you don't agree with something inside your tribe, just go and lead it yourself. And this is I strongly believe in this. I did this with volleyball. I created a volleyball club in Portugal. I created a beach volleyball circuit in Portugal back in the days because I love my tribe of beach volleyball, and I see there is so many opportunities that the Federation don not do.' with myself. I'm a leader of my tribe. Then I do it the same for remote work. Then I do the same for distant nomadism. I'm not doing anything new, but I just think there is... Like, if you can educate more people to become leaders of their communities, but that their income doesn't depend only on being leaders of their communities, that's the key. Just natural leaders. Just go lead your community. Do you love your town? Cool, we'll give you the tools, but we need local leaders. Are you willing to be the local leader for your community? Are you willing to work some hours, so you can see your town grow and more people to come? Are you willing to integrate these people with the people you know, the locals? And once we have a lot of these guys, a lot of community managers, that's why like, I was not planning on creating an academy for Nomadex, but we need to create. So We only have one course, hopefully in like two months, which will be community managers. We need to educate community leaders. And that's it. Once you educate community leaders, once they understand your view of the world, they can go and do them... Do that by themselves. We did this in Madara. So we had like a couple of people coming to Madara. One of them organized a really cool pop-up community in Italy, in the south of Italy, in Tursi. And she was there in Madera for three, four months. She was learning. I had like four or five meetings. I was drinking coffee with her, and she went and she did her own thing. And now she wants to do it more. And she was on CNN. I was really happy for that. But she understood there is not much money in it. So she has her own work and she understands that's an extra. That's an extra for the fund. That's an extra for the mission. And that's the thing. If we just trade this for money, this will not work. If you are really passionate about it, man, we can change the world.
1: Mm-hmm. I love that. So that's a course that's coming out at on NomadX? Yes. Is that going to be like, are people going to be able to go and like buy it? Like anyone can purchase it? Yes.
0: Yes, yes, yes. We have my... Uh, the, the person I chose... do this project was the person who helped me start madara as a community as a community leader there and she's my all-time favorite community leader Uh, and she works for a company but she will be outside that company to do this project so it's a personal project and she is the one person anywhere i go that i would choose to be the community leader if i had money to pay her which i don't (laughs)
1: So when uh, when is that course going to be available? Like if anyone's listening to this and wants to go buy it at some point in the future, like where can they go get it? And then number two, when is it like roughly going to be available?
0: hmm at nomadex.com, everything we do will be around nomadex.com and my guess will be the beginning of January. I think we'll just launch everything on the 1st of January. I mean, a lot of new stuff will come out on the 1st of January, just for fun, because it's time to build now. I'm going to Brazil, then I have like January to March until my baby is born. So I have like three months of deep focus without baby babies crying. So my goal is to launch a lot of stuff in January. We'll announce our agenda for next year, which will have like deep learning retreats for surf, kite surf, and lots of stuff. And the course, which was not planned. And this was the decision, man. This was decided three days ago. This is as hot as it can be.
1: <laughs> nice. Well, that's like, you need to do one of those, uh, what is the Apple event called WW something where like you yes. to, like, get out <laughs> there and like, do like, and this is what we did with the Apple watch. And here's the, you know, you need one of those events like every year where it just and, like a bunch of stuff oh, comes out, oh. you know?
0: That's such a good idea. Let's do that. I'm, I'm writing this now, man. That's there the best idea. And I now invite you to introduce us and our new ideas because you had the idea, so you deserve <laughs>
1: I'll I'll MC the event. How about that? I'll MC it. Yes,
0: the event. <laughs> yearly event, launch new stuff. I love Perfect. this. This is happening. Perfect. I'll dress man. In I love it. dressing with a turtleneck and stuff.
1: Yeah, I don't know, but I don't know how a turtleneck will look <laughs> on me. I've never worn a turtleneck, but I will. I will do it for you, Gonzalo. I'll do it for you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, but I think it's a good idea because we are doing so much. Actually, it's hard to communicate everything we are doing at the same time. So maybe we just need an event like Apple to say everything we are doing next year. <laughs>
1: You know, that's actually what's interesting is, so when I was a kid, I was a kid, I studied biotechnology in high school and in college. And when I was in biotech, the whole idea was that the the field was moving so quickly because they were getting so much funding and there was a lot of people working on it and there were a lot of developments that it was kind of hard to keep track of like what this team is doing over here and that team is doing over there and whatever. And there was this guy who I always thought this was the coolest business slash lifestyle who traveled around the world with a single PowerPoint presentation that was constantly updating. And he was kind of known as like a linchpin in the biotech community. And he was talking with everyone. And whenever someone had an update, he was like putting it in the slideshow. And he would just travel around the world presenting this slideshow. And it was seen as like one of the most up-to-date, like sources of information on what's going on in biotech. And I was like, we need something like that. Like we need someone something that like oh and like what's this company doing over here and what's nomad x doing over here and what's co-live doing over here and what's this you know what i mean like what are all these things and kind of how do they overlap and we just need to have one massive presentation you know every quarter or whatever where it's like here's what the teams did you know like here's like what like this. the progress we made um mm-hmm. i think that would be cool
0: so are you up for the job or just pitching pitching to so see somebody go get it
1: dude i'll do it i i think that would be f- I even as a kid, I was like 16, 17 when I started studying biotech and I was sitting in the crowd like watching this guy present like, hold on, you're telling me this guy gets paid to upkeep like a PowerPoint and is traveling all over the world. I was like, that sounds like a sick job. Let's talk to this guy.
0: (laughs) Imagine going to the new co-living spaces and try to understand what's changing. What's the new trend? The same for the co-working spaces. Like we have co-working cafes, co-working with services, Mm co-working for women. God knows, maybe co-working for vegans next. Anything can happen. Then that you don't know what's happening. That's what the really is, cool.
1: Because Chase and I were talking about this. Chase Warrington for people. I mean, people listening probably kind of put two and two together based on. I think you two are the people that have been on the show the most. <laughs> but like, we are as a community, we're growing very quickly. But we're still in the grand scheme of things. And and in community, I mean, like people doing things. It's actually very small. Like, there's like, you know, like not that many people that are like working on these projects, kind of like on like a meta scale. There's a lot of people working remotely, but not that many people that are working on the on the space. And it's growing very quickly. But I still feel like so many of us are working on their own, and that there's no connection of like, that's what that person is doing. You should collaborate on this thing because you're doing. You know what I mean? So I think that that would be valuable. I mean, I'll do it if you if if we can collaborate with Nomad X, let's let's do this.
0: And I'll tell you why this is valuable. Like, even for me now as nomadecks, like I receive so many pitches that I have no idea if they are good, bad, or so so. And I cannot have a meeting with everyone. If I had any person telling me these are the five companies that you need to know, because these guys have really good ideas, because I saw I saw everything in the co-living space, those are the five guys that I believe will make it. And I received like, I don't know, like 100 messages a day of different people. And I was like, I have no clue. Like I have to say no to everyone just out of fairness. And if I had somebody like that, that tells me, Gonzalo, like, look at this. This is going to be good. We need this guy in the Novit community for sure. The remote work community, I believe that Chase and uh, Darren Murph are doing a great job. But in the nomad community, we don't have anyone like that. And I believe that this is you, sir.
1: Oh, wow. Thank you. That's, uh, you're going to make me blush.
0: This tool, no, man. First, this tool you have, the way you think, this makes sense, right? You have this tool where you have incredible conversations with really cool people and you can learn about them. And some are good, some are less good, but you always learn. There is no way for you not to learn with this tool. It's incredible. That's why I did a podcast, but I'm not as good as you. So I stopped like after 10 sessions. I need to do that that thing again. It's like remote work movement. That was really cool, actually. But then you are always looking into it. That's really cool. So I think you are the right person to do it from everyone in the community.
1: Thank you, sir. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. The, the podcast, man, like I don't think enough people have podcasts. It's like such an incredible tool just for, like, I mean, like I get to talk to people like you, people that I, sh- you know, like lots of people that like I shouldn't have been able to talk with. Um, And it's like, I don't know, it's it's very fun. And I think, you know, a lot of people don't sort podcasts because it's like, well, it's really hard to make it big. And, you know, like it's like a creator thing. I'm like, you don't have to make it big. Like, think about like in your position, in your job, like what a great way to stand out of companies, you know, is like you take the initiative to start a podcast and kind of and talk about the 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 area. So um, I appreciate the compliment. I'd love to work with you, man. Can you imagine if we make this thing happen and people were like, I remember when I listened to the podcast where Gonzalo and Nico literally like <laughs> you know, brainstormed this.
0: So what's the, what's the timeline to get this thing done? Three months?
1: Yeah. I do everything in three months, Gonzalo. That is like the 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 like I can't think further out than that. It's either three months or ten years. Like I can't, do you know what I mean? There's no, there's nothing else.
0: Oh man, I'm trying to plan next year, and it's so hard. I have no idea where I'll be. I'm going to be a dad. That's so just that it's insane. So I have no idea what to expect from that. It's my first time. I'm a dead virgin. I said
1: to people listening who think I'm a dick that I haven't said congratulations yet. I said congratulations. (laughs) We got on the call first before we hit record. So.
0: It's true. It's true. It's true. So Nico is tired of knowing I'm going to be a dad and he already knows that I only did it. So I have a new talk next year. <laughs> uh, because yeah, this digital nomadism with governments is fun, but you can only hear so much about government yeah. without kids. the so next year, thing is going
1: to be digital nomad with kids is going to be your next talk. Yes. Yeah. Next so year.
0: Uh, in our conference somewhere in October, somewhere in Portugal. Uh, yeah, man. I, this is, I think it's exciting. I think we are going somewhere and I like that you are stepping up and actually assuming more and Chase and me. Do you know what I see that really sets me in the nomad space? That was not true for the remote workspace. So I'm kind of involved it upsets in upsets you? A lot, yes. Which is, we don't actually have that many leaders in the space. Like, I look to the remote workspace, I can tell you the top 10 people that are pushing things forward. I don't mean the top 10 people that say remote work is cool. I mean the top 10 people that are thinking about it, creating content about it, and saying... This is the way. And think about Chase, uh, Darren Murph, and Darcy Paul. She's amazing. Liam Martin from Time Doctor. All these guys were in the last five to 10 years talking about remote work and saying, this is the way. Not how cool this is. This is the way. It's not saying, oh, wow, we are so cool. We work remotely. It's no, we need to work remotely because this is what will happen. We need to work remotely because the world will move in that direction. And if your company can do this, you'll earn 30% more. That's something interesting. I don't think we have that in the nomad space, and I don't think we have enough people leading the movement in terms of where should the movement go. And that's that's really is something we need to work on. And I yeah. hope you step up on the, in your game and become one of these leaders because we need you, and we need like five more of you. And I'm really excited for more people to actually step up and make this part of their mission.
1: You know why that is? I think is I think digital nomadism has a bit of like a weird stigma with it where a lot of the people that were very loud about being digital nomads were like YouTube slash Instagram bros that people don't necessarily want to be associated with. Or like, like let's call a spade a spade is like a lot of digital, like there's not a lot, like the people who are digital nomads who have money, who make an impact or do whatever, there's usually an and there, right? Like they're yeah, a digital nomad and they're like an entrepreneur or they're a digital nomad and they run a big remote company um and the and i i just think like you know this is why like a lot of people, like i don't know i've definitely avoided saying like digital nomad before because i don't i don't know like i a, it also like doesn't always describe you like oh, i've been yeah, in the, same the last 6 months right like the, am i nomadic right now so i don't know i think i agree with you but i I think that's why there hasn't been the same so hard, yeah, the, yeah. The, the same thing that's happened with like remote work where you immediately had, you know, all these people step up and 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 be leaders in the spaces, you know, but they didn't have to
0: imagine Chase. Chase was the head of sales that do this. He had nothing to do with trying to grow this movement. He had the company he had to take care of and he had to sell for his company. But still, he moved out of this way to actually be one of the thought leaders on the remote workspace. This is what I mean. It's, it didn't do it for money. It didn't do it for the fame. He do it because he believes this is a better system. And I'm not saying that this anomaly is better than anything. What I'm trying to say is, if this someone wants to be taken serious by governments, by people, by the tourism sector even, which is an issue, if we want this to not be the bros on YouTube that you just talk about, if we want this to be actually a movement that is recognized, like Erasmus in Europe, Right. We actually need more thought leaders. We need to stop to we need to stop saying how cool is your life. We need to stop talking about the economic impact of Tistonomadism, the positive and the negative. We need to start we need to start managing communities and looking for a negative impact and how we can accommodate that and give back in a way that makes it worth it for the local communities, local countries, etc. We need to study this. What's the economic impact in five years of a location that gets a lot of nomads? Let's look into the places, let's look at Pansco, let's look at chango you know. Nobody's doing this. And we need 10 leaders to push this agenda so everybody at more universities go and do this and more governments look at this on the serious eyes and not just these YouTube bros that come here. We need more education. And only if we have enough leaders we can do this.
1: I agree with you. I think, like, there just needs to be, like, more serious... More serious... Uh, not content, but, like, research. What you said, research, was was yeah. good. Like Kind of, like, movements, initiatives that are not, like... Hey, come live in Chiang Mai for 600 bucks a month and, you know, like wh- whatever and, yeah. you know, like hang out and, and drink beer and whatnot. But kind of like do it like more. Yeah, like more seriously in in a way. I totally agree. Um, that's my mission
0: I'm working on it I need more people to help me you are called sir as well <laughs> oh,
1: thank you thank you well Gonzalo uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast man it's always fun uh, it's it's great to have conversations I love that we started in Brazil and talked through a whole bunch of different uh, things that's what I like I told told you before we hit record if you you always have an open invitation to come on and we can uh, shoot the shit on air uh, let people know uh, nomadx.com obviously anywhere else anything else that people should check out before we wrap up
0: if you really like any ideas, or if you really hate my ideas, uh, add me on LinkedIn. Anyway, I, I that's where I share my ideas. Anytime I have an idea or I thought about something, it's usually where I go and write it down. So LinkedIn is like where yeah. I live the most in terms of my brain ideas and discussing all these ideas. And sometimes I change my mind after posting there. So LinkedIn would be the best place if you want to see any ideas that we post out there.
1: Dude, LinkedIn, I've moved on to LinkedIn too. I did Twitter for a while and and Twitter yeah. was great, but it was a bit too I started it got a bit too punchy. Like everyone was like mm-hmm. doing these like uh I've made a hundred thousand dollars in the last year, but there's three really important and I'm like, okay, like I ding, understand. Ding, yeah, yeah, yeah. And LinkedIn for me has actually been like I've been able to connect with the part about Twitter that I like the most was I could connect with like really cool people linkedin man i'm like talking to new really cool people every day it's so fun so yeah i've been on there a a lot recently as well um so i love it uh, my favorite social medium yeah connect with gonzalo and me on linkedin i'm there yes connect with (laughs) us and
0: and tag us both and we start an argument on your comments and that's how you'll grow your linkedin touch perfect
1: yeah gonzalo and i will come yell at you in your comments on linkedin um but cool man thank you so much for coming by uh it's always a pleasure
0: Thank you, sir.